Broadcasting live from our satellite studios in Boston, Massachusetts, it's time for the special on-the-road edition of Learning Insights, featuring learning professionals who are improving performance and driving business results. And we are back for another exciting and informative edition of Learning Insights. Stone Payton, Lee Cantor with you here. We also have Dan Collier. Because you biked him up. I don't know what the what you were Whoa, thinking about. What Who did? Wow, that you, you, was you held me out as long as you could. <laughs> uh, well, welcome to the show, Dan. I, it's a, it, the mic's really plugged in this yeah, time. Yeah, no kidding. How's it been for you today so far? You had a good time? Yeah, I have. It's been an un- unbelievable day, and I, I just can't hold back anymore. I had to join in. <laughs> well, I think you joined the right. One, I, this I've been looking forward to since the moment I saw the title. Lee, share the title. Tales from the Scrappy Side, starting training departments from scratch. And with us to have that conversation, please join me in welcoming to the broadcast Senior Training Manager, Customer Experience at Navinet, Miss Erin Gary. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? Great, thank you. Are you feeling scrappy? I'm always feeling very scrappy. <laughs> so how do you define scrappy? Um, I think that it's resourceful and kind of willing to push forward and to push through all the barriers that might come up when something is brand new or you're introducing new ideas to people. So was that one of your superpowers? It's one of my superpowers. <laughs> I did actually, um, I was asked that question on an interview of how do you define scrappy? And it was from somebody from a different country. And I think that scrappy meant quarrelsome and <laughs> full of fight so that I didn't actually get that job. <laughs> Sorry. <about that. laughs> so now, um, were you always a scrappy person? Yeah, I think so. I'd like to think so. And certainly um, at work, but I would consider myself a resourceful person. Do you think that you, is this something you're born with or is can it be trained? Well, as a learning and development professional, I think anything, <laughs> anything can, can be, be trained. trained. <laughs> you really believe that to be so? I think most things can be trained. <laughs> that was good. I think that um, you so how would you train? have the capacity. That's one of the job performance <laughs> factors, right? Okay, so train someone on being scrappy. How would you go about doing that? Um, I think that it's about being able to dig in. And try, if I were to train somebody, I'd try to give them a lot of ambiguous situations and give them projects where there wasn't a lot of direction and mm-hmm. help them um, or coach them through digging and finding answers. Because that's an important quality in today's time. And neither of which ever, ever happens, of course, in the real world, right? right there's Low never resources ambi- and ambiguous direction. <laughs> right. There's always clarity and <laughs> abundance of resources. Right? <laughs> <laughs> All right, but we're here to talk about um, kind of scrappiness in starting a training department. So um, let's talk about that. Right. How, how'd you get into involved in this? You had to do this on your own? I've had to do this multiple in, times <laughs> in every um, training and development uh, position I've had. I've been the first one in. So <laughs> oh um, my. starting from scratch. So and this wow. can't be an accident. This must be something you're doing. It, it's something right. I'm it's certain something I'm doing. It's, it's, it's marketable. <laughs> <laughs> so that you're the go to person when it comes to starting training departments. I think in certain environments. So uh-huh. um, certainly companies that are kind of more on the adolescent trying to get to the next level right. um, find my experience compelling <laughs> in terms of being so, able to start something up. So then what do they have if they don't have a training department? What are they doing? They're most often doing things that are, um, you know, some shadowing or some death by PowerPoint um, lecture style content. Um, but there's not usually a plan or a curriculum or anything that's really structured or following any sort of adult learning or instructional design principles. So they're kind of winging it just the best they can do. There's a lot of winging it. Yeah, there's a lot of winging it even after they bring somebody on. So, 
So are there some telltale signs that you've identified now that you've done this a while that where where you can tell or they can tell, hey, it's really time to start. We need to structure. We've got to grow trip. up here a little bit. Yeah, I think that broadly in an organization, they're starting to look at scalability. So that's usually mm-hmm. when they start looking for somebody to, to do training in a more formal way. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's usually that is kind of going on in the organization, but there's usually something else that might be. Um, a trigger. So maybe they're doing a lot of hiring, they're growing quickly, or they're having a lot of turnover. So maybe it's the hiring that's a trigger. Or it could be that they're trying to formalize um, an implementation process or project management methodology. And that's the trigger where they want something that's going to be, they're seeing a training person being able to bring a standard way to train or standard way to get people up to speed in in that. So the organization could do something in a more systematic manner as opposed to this kind of haphazard manner that they've been doing? Right. They question whether or not what they've been doing is effective. And I think that in a growing and very busy environment, it's difficult to continue to tap um, subject matter experts to onboard somebody or to constantly shadow and people aren't getting up to speed fast enough. Right. I've also heard um, some organizations that react to employee survey feedback and they, they think, oh, well, our our folks are asking for more learning and development opportunities, so we should bring somebody in to do that, mm-hmm. um, which there's certainly <laughs> b- good, good reasons <laughs> just to bring in um, a full-time person for, for training and development. And sometimes that's not always going to give it enough legs. Right. Now, is it something that the senior management is saying that this is needed or is it somebody from HR that says you've I, there's too much here for me. I, well, there I may not even be an HR in some of these places right. she's talking about. So it depends on how they're envisioning aligning the, the training function. So I've been aligned both ways, certainly in an HR function with they're looking, there's generally something specific they're looking for. So they're growing quickly. People are being promoted into management positions. We need a formalized management program. So that would be right. an HR. Or a lot of times they're looking at onboarding specifically in that situation. Or I've also been aligned in operations or customer experience as I am now where they're changing processes, implementing a new methodology, and they're looking for somebody to help build a curriculum or a a larger strategy around that. Right, because the people that are already there, that's just not in their skill set. They've never done it like that before. They've never done something in a formal way. And they feel like they need something that's going to be repeatable. So now when you're doing this, um, it seems like there's a lot of choices that you can make or ways to help them so how do you kind of prioritize and how do you kind of implement this because it's in some ways you have a blank slate here right yeah so it depends on kind of where they're starting with resources so that's something um not everybody when they want to bring somebody in has identified a budget or identified how subject matter experts are going to be involved they have a budget for hiring you um, yeah. <laughs> and they're hoping. And then, <laughs> and then it's a surprise that the rest of, of developing a department is not costs free. Money too. Oh, wait a minute. Wait, we just hired Aaron. <laughs> Aren't we done? <laughs> Does that ever happen? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and sometimes after proposing the strategy, they're like, oh, we're so sorry. Um, we're going to do a layoff. <laughs> Maybe this nah, training thing is not what we thought was going to. Is gonna, that true? Yeah. I've been laid off very not very quickly, but in a shorter time than I would have expected because they didn't anticipate how much work it would be to formalize a training Because they function. thought that you and, solved their problem. Right. And then they, they thought, well, we were doing this ad hoc stuff before with the PowerPoint and the lecture, and we'll just keep that going. Mm-hmm. So are there some, and I know the answer is yes, so I guess I'm asking, what are some kind of 
tricks of the trades, some low cost kind of things you can do while budgets are iffy or mm-hmm. low, just to kind of get things going a little bit and 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 have some some momentum. I, I bet you have some go to. I do. So I, I think the first thing that I try to do is just get on people's radar. So. Um, and be a resource and be there to help. So something that's very low-hanging fruit is to help people with their slide design. So uh-huh. uh, talk to them about adult learning principles, talk to them about why lecture style is not super effective and be able to give them some other strategies to be able to do job aids or other um, type of leave-behind material. A lot of the organizations that are doing ad hoc things think that everything needs to go on a slide. So trying to raise a vi- visibility and educate people on adult learning is, is a step. And also you can do, get some content out there, do some peer learning, do some, um, you know, get some focus groups together, get some best practice discussions going, and then produce job aids off of that and then give those. Uh, get people in a room to do brown bag lunch and find free content out there, tons of free webinars, an ATD webinar maybe, and, you know, get people to bring a lunch and project it and then talk about it after. So anything that you can do to raise the visibility, start producing some co- really quick and easy content and start educating people about what adult learning is, you know, the faster they'll see that you can add value. So you had me at peer learning, and, and, and I'll tell you why. Uh, in a brief role as a salesperson, I remember attending a training where really we all, we were all responsible for running the, the class, and we were, we were really training each other. I got to tell you, that's one of the best training experiences I've ever had or heard them talk about and you combine that with the credibility of a job aid that would come from the guy who is one of the or the lady who is one of the top performers i'm a lot more interested in that job aid right. if it's on the back of a cocktail napkin right right yeah. and then people are learning about instructional design if you get them involved in teaching something and then can help them think through what's the audience for this what's the goal of this training and get them to kind of flip the script from a lecture and get it to be driven by the audience they learn a little bit about facilitation and good training practices and you can kind of get the people the peers that are going to be participating to know a little bit more about training and start advocating for that in the organization and then you can kind of spread out metastasize (laughs) so now what's the most rewarding part of this for you i think um I, i love to help i just i love to be able to solve a problem and to help people out and i think there's so many people that have been tortured by the death by PowerPoint training. (laughs) This PowerPoint thing has come up a lot with her. There was one organization that I I had seen. um, It was a software boot camp that took place for over two weeks all on slides. Wow. How exciting. For a whole weekend? No, it was an entire week. It was two two weeks. Two weeks of of software training on slides. Um, And I actually got hives. I did. (laughs) I'm not lying. What's the most number of words you've seen on a slide? Um... I, I don't I don't know <laughs> I, I I shut it down because I might my what do you recommend I recommend no words no words only pictures <laughs> pictures that would be my preference but right, I, I want to take this thing real world because you know I know you know and you know I know that you know she's talking about us the the business I'm what? not talking about training pros business <laughs> business radio X we're starting to grow and I'm like I'm really wondering is it time to have a uh, a more formal training structure because right now as you described earlier. If someone, if we're trying to get someone ramped up or if we're trying to keep them from trying to get them over the hump, it's the subject matter experts who are busy doing other things that we say, oh, man, you got to you got to run down to that studio and spend a day or two with them. So that's starting to happen. So 
I, I would be interested to get some real-time consulting here. If we were going to start having this kind of conversation mm-hmm. with someone of your caliber and of your ilk, I don't know that I would. In fact, I know that I don't. I don't know what questions to. How would I go about interviewing someone you like you? Where would I find them and what kind of questions should I ask them? So I would ask somebody um, that's going to be starting up training. I would ask them. I'd ask them if they're scrappy, of course. <laughs> That's right. right. Listen to this interview, <laughs> and if you can't, if you can't, you can identify with the scrappy. That's right. Yeah. You're out. Forget it. But I think in other other ways, I've looking for somebody that might have some consulting or, or an orientation towards process can help a lot. Um, there's a lot of times that when you're entering an organization for the first time and you're generating, particularly to solve one of their problems, they're growing, they're putting together a new methodology, they're introducing new processes. A lot of times, you're getting content that's very, very half baked. So you need an eye as an instructional designer to, to put it together into a curriculum, but you also need to be able to, to consult with them on, hey, you know what, I'm anticipating these questions coming out of this process that you want me to train. And you'll, you, you talk them through actually fleshing out their internal processes as well as um, developing the curriculum and the training. So interviewing the subject matter expert in order to kind of get the good stuff out of their brain. That is definitely a, a key skill and being <laughs> able to um, kind of cut down on the noise. There's a lot of subject matter experts that like to talk in exceptions and being able to identify what exactly it is that somebody needs to know and putting together a sensible program just focused on that. Right. Because I know that like internally for us that it we are good at kind of saying, okay, this we do this and then you're going to yeah. get this outcome. Just do this. Just do this. It's just like it's like Ted Williams, you know, like just, just when the ball, ball comes, just, just really hit it, hit it hard. <laughs> and, and 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 no, it's a real challenge for us. He and I are pretty good at, at, at a couple of different aspects of of what we do. But so if we were going to hire someone, but we have it, we let's be honest, we have some challenge in transitioning. So if we were going to interview someone uh, like you, one of the things maybe we ought to do is give them an opportunity to hear us talk and then translate that into something that someone else could do. And I think that the observation observation is great. I think also talking to multiple people that are doing the same thing and and working with leadership to understand which of the things are the art part of the job and which are the science. Which things do you actually want to create Mm. a process around and which things should be up to the person to use their own creativity to determine. So So now you see that time and time again that any job, I mean not any, but like a lot of jobs have some art and science. Oh, definitely. So there's some methodology that these you got to hit these six things. Right. But how you get there, and if you go to you know one, four, two, three, that's okay. You know you can go in whatever order, but just hit these key points. Right. But, but I got to give you room to be yourself. When you know that going in, is it something that you're like, look, if the person doesn't have uh, this kind of skills or aren't intuitive and aren't good at asking questions, maybe this role isn't right for them because they're not going to be able to. So you could hire somebody that's really great on the instructional design and then know that the work of really identifying what you want them to train in and be able to, and you personally would need to uh, drive forward decisions around that content. Mm-hmm. Or you could have somebody come in that could help you make some of those decisions or facilitate those discussions about what you want the actual content to be. And then they can kind of take that and craft a program off of it. So the work has to happen. A lot of times when you go into some kind of this adolescent type of companies, they they haven't really decided exactly what they want. They want a new, I worked at a place that wanted a new project management methodology, 
and there was a section of it that was management and consulting. And when I asked what goes on there, they hadn't decided yet, but they <laughs> wanted me to train this methodology. <laughs> so part of my role was to help them think through, all right, what's what's going to happen during this phase of the project? So, yeah, somebody that can help figure that out. These conversations, though, these are critical to the to the success of the company. To the and, and I can see people in leadership positions being motivated um, by everything from genuine concern, interest in outcome, to candidly sometimes something as shallow as, "Look, I just want our people to know we care." So make sure they know we just invested in a trainer. And she's building a training department. I mean, sometimes sometimes we think like that too a little bit, right? Right. And you probably run it. And, and if you're the on your side, you probably want to make sure that that's not where it starts and stops. Right. So you want I to know that it's more than just that. I want to make sure that whatever if I'm gonna if my role is gonna survive and some people are going to invest and buy into training, I want to make sure that whatever I'm doing is connected very very closely to what the organization or that department's trying to achieve. And if I can put it in those words of this curriculum, this training intervention is going to help this problem, then they're probably going to fund the department and continue that. If not, then they're going to lose interest and think that let's go back to the ad hoc thing that we were doing before and that was good enough. But you have the confidence and the scar tissue maybe a little bit, I don't know, of knowing what questions to ask, knowing that this is important and it's in everyone's best interest that you ask these questions yeah. right well now she's learned that she should ask that i know you're hiring me but do you have a budget for this? <laughs> right. yes. beyond me now you can and ask. I, i've asked that and gotten some mixed responses They're like, what? but why well, and um, you know what what's a fit and what's not right and i think that understanding in that situation what's your build versus buy philosophy mm-hmm. if it's build um who's going to help right um have you already cleared the plates of those people i talked to another organization that they wanted an onboarding program that the sales, it was for a sales type of role, and the sales representatives were going to be doing the training, but they were motivated by um, their commissions. Right. And there was, n- there was no yeah. discussion about how we were going to take them off the line to run the training. Right. They said, well, it'll be part of their job, so they'll just do it. <laughs> How'd that go? Um, I, I said, uh, I think this might not be the right fit for me. <laughs> Dan, is any of this surprising you? What, have you had any experience with this kind of thing where, where a company... Some of this resembles you. No, I was not <laughs> saying that. But, uh, you know, you've, you've been around... Oh, oh very often. Um, I, I, I empathize and sympathize <laughs> with, with Aaron in a lot of the conversations that we've had. Um, I've been at the inception of training departments and organizations that, you know, it's always a struggle and, and organizations look for training to be the solution without ever understanding what the problem is. So a lot of it goes back to some of the previous interviews we've had today and talking about performance consulting. Um, I think one of the things that really stands out in, in Aaron's t- talk here with us this afternoon is, you know, really kind of the, the scrappiness, the resilience that you're talking about of being able to stand up and, and not just say, okay, I'll go build it because that's what you're paying me to do. Right. You know, and then, so th- that's impressive. But well, I th- the, yeah, these execs should count themselves absolutely blessed to have a, someone of your caliber that is willing to have that conversation right. because I'm sure even some very nice, well-meaning people, you know, they may just feel like they really need the money or maybe they don't understand the depth and breadth of what they're being asked to do. And I mean, an exec could really uh, shoot him or herself in the foot if they are not talking to someone like you who's willing to have that 
eye to eye, peer to peer, real world conversation. Well, thank you. I'm certainly one of the questions I like to ask is, could a contractor do this instead? And then I would point them to a company like Training Pros mm-hmm. and say, right. Know, and sometimes that, might, that, that might, might be, be a better fit, right. Right. right? Particularly if sometimes they're thinking about bringing an FTE in because they have a large project kind of thing. Mm-hmm. They're, they're doing a new infrastructure or they're do, rolling out a new operation software. That would be great for a contractor instead of a full-time employee. So they right. could look at it that way. Um, and then I wouldn't, be potentially looking for work (laughs) but that would mean a heck of a lot to me if you came to me and we had that conversation and you said that whether just the fact that you would do that now there's a level of credibility that you have with me that i mean that you can't buy because you're looking out for our best interest you're You're not just our best interest right you're not just trying to do something self-serving for you well i think it's in a way i i like what I do to be effective and I want to be able to do the best job possible. So right. if I know that I'm not going to have the resources or the buy-in, then it will be soul crushing. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. I want to play on the fun side of this thing for a minute. So let's, let's say you do meet with the right type of exec, you, mm-hmm. exec, you like the culture, you've got funding. What are some fun, cool things that you might get going and, and, and off the ground pretty quick where right, your perfect job funding funding <laughs> funding so you, <laughs> so you got the money and said look you know here Aaron, here's look whatever you need you've got it i'm serious about this training stuff um and even though they might still call it stuff but <laughs> ser- serious about this training development stuff go forth what are some cool things you might put your hands in um, I would think I'd really focus on onboarding and getting people off to the right foot in the organization. I think that that's an area where you can have a lot more fun. You can do a lot of things to get people really excited about the organization they've joined and also kind of dial in opportunities to learn about them and get them to be able to talk about themselves and feel good that they've really honored the experience that they're bringing in. Mm-hmm. And I think whatever the organization is doing, um, I've worked in a lot of healthcare organizations, so being able to get somebody excited about being able to help um, patients or being able to solve some of the healthcare problems. So mission. Yeah. So being able to, to hook into that is I, I find really fun and p- being able to spend some resources getting people really excited about an organization that they've joined. Well, it sounds like the culture is important to you. Definitely. So, I think culture is one of the most important things mm-hmm. that I look for in a place that I'm going to join. And then so if you had your own co- company, what you mentioned onboarding, how would you like what specifically would you do to create the culture that you would like? Well, sometimes I've, I've had to sneak things into people's pudding. So, um, the type, type of, <laughs> the type of, of culture that I would like would be to, I'm a learning and development person. So to be focused on learning and development, right. um, from day one. So one of the ways that I've done that is I was, um, in a ver- an earlier job, I was given this, a tool called a gaps grid that allows somebody kind of, it's a bunch of conversational questions. It has people walking through their goals and, um, perceptions and strengths. And I've had that as an assignment for them to bring to their manager to start a a development discussion early. So I think that I'd probably do as much as I can in the, and I've done also during onboarding communication skills and other things that would help them fit into the culture and also get them started out on the right foot with employees. So I would think about what types of things other than the standard, I'm going to give you the whole company history thing. So working a lot of those things, tools and professional professional hunt instead of a company history like make them talk to different people to learn the history of the company i would much rather that yes <laughs> than something more playful and engaging rather than here read this yes even though or, or i would rather but i would rather here read this than let me read you a whole bunch oh, of slides <laughs> that's even worse 
All right. So what's next? Next few months for you? Next few months, I'm, um, as we mentioned, I'm at Navinet, and we're uh, launching a end-user training program for our software. So working on that, working on the strategy, and working on getting um, a curriculum together for end-users. So now, is there Tales from the Scrappy Side blog, book? What do you got <laughs> upcoming? Um, those are wonderful suggestions. I'm going to get right, right to work. Where's now, my radio computer? show, right? Tales from the Scrappy really? Side radio I, show. I think I should have yeah, a I would be all a call in show. That's <laughs> perfect. I would be all over that brand. That's great. Yeah, I, yeah, I could have a call in show. That would be great. <laughs> We're listening. Perfect. <laughs> Call in. I'll solve your training and development problems. Well, this has been a great deal of fun, uh, and I would like very much to stay connected. I think maybe circle back around and have a conversation like this again. Um, I got to ask, it's, so are, are you hanging out with other people like that uh, maybe are part of an association or different kind of groups and stuff? To, wh- where do you out, hang? I hang out a lot at ATD Greater Boston. So ATD I, Greater Boston? I recently um, joined as their VP of Marketing and Communication. So uh-huh. I'm going to be spending some time with them and heading to the Chapter Leader Conference this weekend. So you're going to scrapify? Uh, I'm going to scrapify that, absolutely. <laughs> We're really looking to expand uh, our presence and get some great events going on in some different areas. We've been in Waltham quite a lot. Um Someone that lives in Boston would love something, love some more locations to be able to get some more people involved. Right. And kind of looking at um, how we can you know, talk to some companies that are in the training field in this area to get them a little bit more involved and see how we can maybe market uh, some of our events a little bit more in a, in a targeted way so we can involve other people that could really benefit from our programs. So that's a great way to connect with you, but also other uh, folks in, in, in the same arena. I mean, we've heard people all day long talk about how great and wonderful um, ATD Boston is. And so clearly you're getting a tremendous amount of value out of it because you've specifically chosen to invest time and energy in a leadership position there. So uh, it's a great organization, it? in particular, if we're talking scrappy. You don't have a lot of companions or learning and development folks if you're the first person into a training role. Right. So to be able to right, come right. and network and be able to meet other people and bounce ideas and have you know, a group of people that really understand where you're coming from, it's really great. And your company supports you being this active in ATD? Absolutely. No, it was a secret until now. We shouldn't dismiss it because that is Not every organization is. Right. No, that's fantastic. Yeah. That's good. Uh, so that's a good place for people to reach out and uh, collaborate with you. Are you also a LinkedIn I'm type on LinkedIn. person? Yep. All right. So that's they a good place. They can find me there. They can work. find me through ATD Greater Boston. All right. They can stalk me at Navinet if they like. Because <laughs> you're scrappy but I'm accessible. Scrappy. I'm scrappy but accessible. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not argumentative as that person thought. I can be, well, but not, that's not what I would put on my resume. <laughs> This has been an absolute delight. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me. Well, you are more than welcome, and let's do it again. Let's definitely. And Dan, thanks for putting it together, man. Well, thanks. Thanks for having us. All right, that's a wrap. We will be back in a few from Waltham. Is that what you say? How you pronounce it? Waltham, Massachusetts. Waltham, Massachusetts. This has been a special Business Radio X production, brought to you by Training Pros, your source for local learning and development experts. Learn more at training-pros.com.